God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the truth, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise governments. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. 
For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, 2 Peter chapter 2. Here in verses 1 through 9, we have the false teachers described as seducers, impious, pernicious to others, the assurance of their own punishment, and that contrasted with the godly. Now note, there were prophets or false prophets among the people. It's a reference to the Exodus and to the people of God in the Old Testament. He says there shall be false teachers among you. The church does not have an ongoing office of prophet, that is those who would produce revelations from God. The church has the office of teacher, those who would explain the revelations previously given. Now these false teachers, he says, they shall privily bring in damnable heresies. There are heresies that are not damnable. These sort are damnable. They lead to damnation. They say that there is a denial suited to the Lord. They deny the Lord. They say no to the Lord that bought them. Now this notion of them being purchased by the Lord, William Perkins asks, how can reprobates be said to be redeemed or bought by Christ? He answers, not in God's decree, for then they have been saved, but in their own conceit and judgment, and also in the judgment of other men led by the rule of charity. Now remember, Israel was redeemed out of Egypt, weren't they? But does that mean they were redeemed from their sins? Well, we know very clearly many of them, God, God was not well pleased with them. And many, he says, of these false teachers, many shall follow their pernicious ways, verse 2. Their way of damnation will be broad and many people will follow it. And furthermore, he says that by reason of these false teachers, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The heathen will misinterpret the way that they live as if it were consistent with the gospel that they say they believe. Oh, you're forgiven freely through God's grace, through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. That's true. And therefore you can live without regard to God's commandments. That's false. And the heathen will see them living in these wicked ways and they will say, oh, that gospel, it teaches people to be licentious. It teaches them to follow their own ways. The way of truth shall be evil spoken of by these men. And we must not be overly anxious when heretics and false teachers cause the truth of the gospel to be spoken against. Isn't this what he's saying, that this is going to happen? Should it surprise us? Should we do things if we can? Yes. Should we try to contradict? Yes. If we have a place to speak, should we speak? Yes. But should it surprise us? No, it's meant to be the way. It will happen this way. This is the reality of the church's condition in this age. We cannot remove all scandals, and to seek to do so is madness and folly. 
Rather, we must do the Lord's will and trust him to overcome and overthrow them in due time, for he promises he will. Notice the kind of words that they use. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Now, what is feigned? It means you're pretending. And the word in Greek is plastois. Sounds like something that we have all the time, plastic. It can be molded. It can be shaped. Their doctrines and what they say are plastic. They're not solid. They're not firm. They're not stable. They can be molded to the situation. They'll tell you what you want to hear. Why? Because they want something from you. Covetousness, he says. They have greed. And these words and doctrines that they will use, these flexible, crafted doctrines suited to what you want to hear, will get them what they long after. Do they want money? They'll get it with their words. Do they want sex? They'll get it with their words. Do they want power and honor and glory? These false teachers will use their words to say whatever needs to be said. This is a rebuke to ministers or gurus or individuals or Facebook personalities, influencers as they're called, who do not speak the truth, but rather mold their doctrines and words to suit the tastes of the masses so they can get what they want. What do I want? Well, let me see what people want and I'll get what I want by saying what they want to hear. Beware then of such gurus such influencers or pastors or even friends who flatter you and tell you what they think you want to hear so they can get from you what they want. Young ladies, beware of young men with plastic words, feigned words, who tell you what you want to hear. Why? Because they want something from you and they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear till they get what they want and then they're done with you. And they move on. But notice, God is not pleased with these, and he did not even spare the angels, holy angels, high and lifted up, glorious angels. You think God spared them when they sinned? And if he didn't spare them, what about us below them? You think he's going to spare us? No, he won't. He cast them down to hell, these angels. Now, this is an interesting verb. It means to tartarize. For the heathens, they believed that there was the underworld, Hades. And then for all the really bad people, there was Tartarus underneath that. And if you got cast down to Tartarus, you must have been pretty bad. That's what Peter's saying. These men, as these angels, will be cast down to hell. And God didn't spare the angels. He's not going to spare them. And if you follow them, he's not going to spare you, he says. He cast them down. He tartarized them. They received much light, these angels, did they not? And they received a heavier judgment. God demands that we improve our privileges. That's what Peter's saying. Don't be deceived by these men. Don't follow in their way. What else? God did not spare the old world. He brought in a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now, the word ungodly, according to Thayer's lexicon, means one who is destitute of reverential awe toward God. They contemn God. They think he's unimportant. His words aren't important. His doctrines, who cares? His duties, he imposes, no big deal. I don't need to follow those. 
God brought a flood upon the world. He destroyed the whole entire old world. But he saved Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And notice verse 6, Sodom and Gomorrah, what did he do there? He made them an example. It's a little example you put aside to warn people or to give them a good example. The word can be used either way. Here it's a bad example. Take warning from the city of Sodom. God's not playing. If you live after your own wicked ways, if you follow these kinds of teachers, you will not be spared. God delivered just Lot. And this word rescue or deliver means to deliver for himself. Remember how the angel took Lot by the hand? He pulled him to himself and dragged him out of the city. That's how he delivered him. God, being merciful to him, grabbed him by the hand and pulled him out, pulled him to himself. Lot was just. He was a righteous man. It says that he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now the word wicked means someone who is lawless, who is unprincipled, who is the opposite of righteous, which is what Lot is said to be. Here you have Lot, a righteous man, who respects God and his law, and then you have these wicked people who won't even listen to the voice of their own conscience, who will not listen to the order of nature. He's vexed, he's racked, He's tormented. And this is one mark of a righteous person. Their soul is tormented, racked, and vexed by the lawless and unprincipled deeds of the wicked. Let us never become immunized, desensitized by the licentious ways of the wicked. For if we do, we're not being righteous anymore. We're not agreeing with God. We're becoming like the wicked that God says he will throw down to Tartarus. Verses 10 through 22, we have a further description of the irrational lawlessness and apostasy of these false teachers. They walk after the flesh in the lust of the uncleanness. They do not say, Thy will be done to God. They say, my will be done. That's what it means. When a person walks after the flesh in the lusts of uncleanness, it doesn't matter what God says about their conduct. The seventh commandment, toss it out the window. They despise government, he says, lordship. Any kind of dominion, whether in the family, in the state, in the church, anyone above them, they say, no, they don't respect the fifth commandment. They don't respect the seventh commandment. They're presumptuous, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities. They're bold or arrogant, pleasing their own desires. That's the idea of self-willed. They're not reverent toward God. They're not reverent toward those that God puts over them. No, they'll speak against them at their will. And even angels, he says, which are greater in power and might. Those who have an ontology, ontos is the word here, their fixed nature is above them. Those angels won't rebuke like they do. They wouldn't even speak to them in this way. They say, the Lord rebuke thee. So they don't have this sense of proud arrogance and speaking evil of dignities. These angels do not. 
They don't bring a railing accusation against them before the Lord. They don't use blasphemous language, literally, slander or reproach. But these, he says, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, verse 12 tells us. Now the word brute, sometimes we hear that. Don't be such a brute. Someone will say, some lady will say to a gentleman, you know what a brute is? Ah, logos. Logos is your capacity to be rational, to think. A brute is one who does not have the capacity or who behaves as if they had no capacity to think. What is a brute beast made for? Well, you take them and you slaughter them, right? You kill them, you bleed them out, you gut them, you butcher them, and then you eat them, right? That's what they behave like. They have no sense of rationality. Wait, should I be behaving like an animal right now, following all my impulses and my urges of my body? They say, yes, I should. God says, no, you shouldn't. You should follow me. You should follow Logos. You should listen to my doctrines. You should do what I command you. And they say, no, you don't have to do that. They speak evil of the things that they understand not. Now the angels, remember, they have understanding. They're superior to us, and they won't bring these kinds of slanderous accusations. These, they don't have any understanding, and they're still speaking against and they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, verse 13 tells us. The wages. What are the wages of sin? What is the reward of unrighteousness? It is death. That's what's coming for them, he says. Their doom is sealed. Though they sport themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, living in pleasure, living in luxury, living in wantonness. Now here they are among the people of God while they're feasting with Christians. That's against the first commandment. You know that? When we come to God's worship and we use it as a means to sin and to do our will, they're sporting themselves in the love feasts of Christians, which they would have after the Lord's table. They're taking God's name in vain. They're doing it when the church is gathered on the Christian Sabbath. They're violating the fourth commandment. They deceive and lie, and they're violating the ninth commandment. Their eyes are full of adultery. What is this? This is the seventh commandment. Do you notice the pattern of these wicked and lawless teachers? What do they say about the gospel? That it releases you from the authority of God's law. That's what they say. You can live and I can live as we please. After all, Jesus died upon the cross. We're justified by faith alone. Yes. We're saved by his grace alone. Yes. Does that mean that the grace of God is a license to sin? No. But that's what they're saying. Eyes full of adultery and unstable souls are deceived by them. They have a heart exercised with covetous practices. They beguile, ninth commandment. They covet, tenth commandment. They are cursed children, children of wrath, people under God's wrath. They have forsaken the right way turned out, apostatized from their Christian profession, even while they're still among the church, he says. You don't have to have a council that says, look, you're an apostate. These are teachers in the church. 
preaching and teaching these errors, and they have turned aside from the right way. They're in the church, but not of the church. And they are like Balaam, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He got paid to teach Balak to do what? Here's how you deceive the children of Israel. You can't curse them. God won't let you curse them. Why don't you seduce them? Why don't you draw them aside with the pleasures of their eyes, with women, beautiful women, drawing them into sacrifices for the dead, the wages of unrighteousness, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Now, is reserved means it happened a long time ago, and it continues their reservation to this day. It is a decreed thing, in other words. It is fixed. The perfect tense is used. The mist of darkness has been settled for them for a long time. God's going to bring them under everlasting judgment. They allure through the lusts of the flesh like a, fit is, a fish is caught with a bait. They use lures, don't they? They cause them to come and say, oh, look at that tasty morsel. And then what does it lead to? Death. The lusts of the flesh, they offer them this lure and say, take, eat this beautiful thing. No, it is not beautiful. It is destruction. It is damnation. It is death. And those who were clean escaped fall again into this error. Now they're brought back through these seductions to the lusts of man's fallen nature. And notice, just as our Lord said, you remember in John 8, the Jews said, we've never been in bondage to any man. Do you remember what he said? By whatever a man is overcome, by that is he brought into bondage. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Peter says much the same here. Let us then be on our guard you know, Paul constantly says, beware or be not deceived. And then he talks about these same people. Why is that? Because we Christians can be deceived. We can be uh, unaware. It hits us without us realizing it. And before we know it, we're with the lawless. We're disregarding God's commandments because after all, Jesus died on the cross. Can't we live as we please? Let us be on our guard. And you know, we have something inside that thinks that's really good, don't we? We have the remnants of corruption, which wants to be indulged. So if you hear a false teacher say, oh, you don't have to listen to God anymore. You know what your remnants of corruption say? Oh, that sounds great. You mean the gospel can free me from obedience to God? Let's go. Let us be on our guard against the desires of our fallen nature. The bodily lust for pleasing our physical appetites. The pride of man's accomplishments. The good life. The lust to see what is forbidden. To touch or be touched contrary to divine commands. The promise of freedom while they are slaves. Remember their eyes are filled with what? Lawlessness. Adultery in their eyes. Then he warns us. That if we go back into these pollutions after the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has caused us to escape from these pollutions and we go back into them. Do you remember what Jesus said? You have one demon cast out of a house. What does he do? 
he go, goes and finds seven more worse than himself and they come back to the house and the latter state is what? Worse than the former. That's what Peter's saying. It's like a dog eats food and causes the dog to vomit it up and then what do they do? Well, they look through it for some more food later. They come back to their vomit. They want to eat it. Who would want to do that? Well, alagos, right? Brute beasts. When we are seduced away from the truth and we follow after our bodily desires and do not listen to the voice of God, but do what is right in our own eyes, we will do the worst sort of things and not even notice it. And thus far, the explanation of 2 Peter chapter 2, a most serious passage warning us against our own sinfulness.